0: On preparing this sermon, um, the question came to my mind that Jesus was asking Peter, and it clearly said, make your mind up. So I've called this sermon, Making Your Mind Up. That has no reference to the Buck's Fizz song from the 1980s, although memories are strong in my mind as a young adolescent boy. But that's another story, maybe. If you want to follow or have a look at the passage, then I invite you to open your Bibles up at Luke 9, because there are a couple of questions that we'll look to answer as we go through. We're not looking at a large passage, just maybe two or three verses, but I think it would be useful to have them open, and maybe a question will get prompted to use as we go through it. I'll start by reading Luke 9, verse 20. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Maybe you can meditate and think on that as we go through the sermon. After nearly 15 years of teaching, I've been called a number of things by my pupils, such as sir... Mr. Pinnock, Mr. P, or even in my first school, Oi, you. There are other names I've been called, but I'm not prepared to share them here. But if you want to tell me, come and see me afterwards. I'm sure I can um, enlighten you on them. Celebrities are often concerned about what people think of themselves. Sometimes celebrities and people in the public eye candidly admit they check up on what is written about them in the public sphere, such as on the internet or social networking sites. They can't help themselves. They want to know what people think about them. They want to know what people are saying about them. The crowds and the masses today say all kinds of things about who Jesus is or was. Many people know very little about him. And his name comes across their lips merely as only a swear word. Some know him a little bit more. Or have gleaned information from modern Christianity, such as Christmas nativity services or an Easter service or a few lines on a Sunday evening while watching songs of praise. But they certainly won't claim to know who Jesus is, much less have a relationship with him. So this evening, we come to look at the name, title, given to Jesus that resonates through our very being. And defines Jesus as the saviour of mankind. The title of Christ. God's Messiah. Peter was asked directly by Jesus, Whom do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. In some translations, he used the Christ of God. As we go through the service and on to our communion later on, I want you to think about that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Maybe some of the words that have been spoken, or some of the words that we've sung already, will help you to come to an answer. You will have an opportunity to respond via the Lord's table this evening. But first, let's try to unpack a few things. I believe the Greek word Christos, translated meaning Christ, and the Hebrew word Messiah, translated meaning Messiah, mean exactly the same thing. They both mean anointed one. Literally, one who had oil rubbed and poured on him. In the Old Testament times, three offices were established to which people were appointed by oil. These were kings, priests, and prophets. Generations of theologians have spoken of Jesus' threefold office, meaning he was anointed by God in order to fulfill perfectly the triple office of priest, prophet, and king for the people of God. In the classic accounts of kings being anointed by Samuel, the prophet poured oil over the chosen man's head. When Samuel anointed Saul in 1 Samuel, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he began to prophesy. When Saul failed to be obedient to God, Samuel was directed to anoint a successor, David, son of Jesse, to become king. The Scripture says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. David became anointed, the anointed king. Later, the prophet Nathan spoke, spoke um, to him by the word of the Lord: "Your house and your kingdom." Will endure forever and be before me. Your throne will be established forever. David died, and the kings of Israel and Judah eventually went into exile. But the Jews still looked to the promises that God had made for a descendant of Jesse from the tribe of Judah to reign upon them. The prophet Micah spoke of a ruler who came from David's hometown of Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Isaiah prophesied, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his root a branch will bear fruit, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will rally to him, and his place will rest, will be glorious. <coughs> but who did the people of that time think Jesus was? The question that Jesus asks, puts Peter, uh, asks Peter in verse 20, is put into context via the earlier verses in 18 and 19. If you have your Bibles, you may want to read it with me. Once Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked him, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that won the prophets of long ago has come back to life. He seems to be in the midst of his prayer time when he turns from his father to his disciples and asks a simple question. Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, as we just read, some say John the Baptist. While some sects of first century Judaism denied the resurrection, including the Sadducees, the disciples and Jesus embraced the belief in the resurrection. Perhaps John had been raised from the dead. Others said he was Elijah, as Elijah was rightly expected to return at the end of the age to usher in the era of the new Messiah. Some said, well, maybe he's one of the prophets such as Jeremiah. Also part of the speculation. So had one of the prophets of long ago come back to life? Now Jesus and his disciples were in the northern part of Galilee when Jesus asked them the question that he had never asked before. That question we said, who do you say that I am? It sounds like a strange question, but his disciples knew he was talking about what he was talking about for the people who he heard him preach and watched him perform miracles were full of ideas about who Jesus was. So the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say the prophets. From this answer, we can see that the crowds hearing Jesus' teaching were assuming that something miraculous had happened. Though Jews didn't believe in reincarnation, they often spoke about the reappearance of Elijah or some other prophet to give a prophecy or to announce the coming of the Messiah. In saying this to his disciples, the disciples were admitting that the crowd were off target in their assumptions as about Jesus' true identity. They thought Jesus was somebody important, but they missed the truth about who Jesus really was. Jesus was the long awaited Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one, the qualified one. Here we arrive at the truth that Jesus is Christ. When he asks the disciples the second question he has planned, he doesn't want speculation or uncertainty, so he first allows the disciples to voice what the crowd has said. So it's time for Peter to answer the question. The phrasing of Jesus' question signals that he is looking for a better answer from the disciples than the ones the crowd would give. So over to you, Peter. Who do you say I am? Here, he's looking for an answer from the heart, an answer of personal faith. Now, as we know about Peter, he had heard what Jesus had said in the synagogue. He had witnessed firsthand many healings. He had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. Peter was there when Jesus calmed the storm and saved him from drowning. Peter accompanied Jesus on preaching and teaching tours through Galilee. He had heard Jesus teach in parables. He had listened as Jesus explained the parables to him. He was there when Jesus was rejected in his hometown synagogue. He looked on as Jesus was questioned and criticised by the authorities. Hopefully, who Jesus was and what he was about was getting through to Peter. So how did Peter know what the right answer was? He knew who Jesus was because, as Jesus said, the Father in heaven had revealed it to him. Peter's answer was not the result of reading a book or taking a class or doing a crowd survey. His answer came from God revealing the truth to him personally. From God's mouth to his obedient heart. What Peter confessed that day was not the first time such things had been said. In fact, if we go back to the night when Jesus calmed the storm, after inviting Peter to walk on the water, you may recall that on that occasion, all the men in the boat said the same thing at the same time. Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus not only commended Peter for his confession, but he also let him know that on that basis of what Peter had confessed about Jesus being Christ, that Jesus would build the church on that foundation. The foundation of Jesus being the Messiah. He went on to promise his disciples that the church would begin with his men would be handed the keys of the kingdom. The disciples would be gatekeepers of the church, which is God's heavenly kingdom. We already know that on the day the church began, in Acts 1, it was Peter himself who preached a sermon that brought in 3,000 new believers who were all baptized that day. Jesus' next question cut to the heart of the matter. But what about you? Who do you say I am? It was obvious that the crowds had guessed wrong about Jesus. Would the disciples be able to get close to the truth? Now, Peter, who was often the first one of the disciples to speak, gave an immediate and a matter of fact answer. He said, The Christ of God. Matthew's accounts as the phrase, the Son of the Living God. The point is that Peter's answer was right on target. Though the crowds got it wrong, Peter got it completely right. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. The appointed one. The qualified one. Again, we arrive at the truth. Jesus is Christ. Peter, ever the spokesman, responds on behalf of the disciples that Christ is God. Peter had seen enough, heard enough, experienced enough To make the huge statement, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One that we have been waiting for. This profession of Christ is something that we are all invited to do. At our baptism service last week, we listened to two different stories of people who came to the point of confessing that Jesus is the Christ. They stood up publicly and stated that they wanted to follow Jesus. And then they were baptised as a sign of an outward declaration of faith. They, in essence, made the same confession as Peter. So let's challenge. What about you? Imagine... Jesus asking you that question tonight. What is your response? There are no second-hand, second-generation Christians. There are no grandchildren of God. It is personal. It is between you and God. You cannot live of someone else's faith or someone else's experience you cannot float along in some vague meandering sense of God in this river of religion it is personal who do you say he is? in this passage we hear Jesus asking a personal question of us you then Who do you say that I am? Jesus asks each one of us, What is your personal opinion of me and my identity? I am not interested in what your church says. I don't care what your minister says. I'm not interested in what your friends say, or what the crowd say, or the people on the street say. I'm interested in and I care about what you think and say about me. What are your personal conclusions about me? You can have head knowledge because you've studied the scripture and the faith. But the day comes when you are faced with a decision on how it affects you. And what is your personal response? What does your heart say? Belief without relationship is only head knowledge. Relationship without belief has no anchor. You cannot have one without the other. The relationship comes from the heart and is secured in the heart. God so loved you that he gave his only son to die for you. So that you, if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Jesus turns to each of us today and he asks that question. But what about you? Who do you say I am? If you would like to respond today or to reaffirm what you've already said, I believe you are Christ, then you have an opportunity. An opportunity to come to the cross through Holy Communion. It doesn't matter if you are young or old, black or white, rich or poor, conservative, labor or liberal. It doesn't matter if you've never been on Alpha Course before, or you've never been baptized or been confirmed. The table is open to all. You are invited to draw near to the cross and proclaim with your hearts that Jesus is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us That we have a one to one relationship with you. That you are our Lord, our God, our Saviour. You are Christ. May your presence be felt through Holy Communion this evening. May we draw close to the cross. May we feel your love and presence. Amen. Before we come and have Holy Communion, we're going to sing just one more song. Draw me close to the cross. A chance for you to come to the table. A chance for you to respond to the question that Jesus asks you. Who do you say I am?